1: 18
0: plus
2: welcome to the three martini lunch grab a stool next to greg Corumbus of radio america and jim garrity of national review three martinis coming up
1: hey it's really good to have you on this monday edition of the three martini lunch we've got good bad and crazy martinis for conservatives today and jim it's a monday in january so there's always a good chance that one of our teams has fired their head coach and this year it's the bears so uh Matt Nagy after, uh, what was it, four years, uh, and the GM, Ryan Pace, gone. Uh, We'll see what happens next. Uh, The rumor mill flying. But, Jim, it's got to feel good for it not to be the Jets coach for once.
0: Yeah. Uh, You know, when you see guys like Vic Fangio, you you know the Jets aren't changing anything. You know, Salah is happy with his staff. I wouldn't mind Vic Fangio, the uh, guy that the Broncos let go. He's always been a pretty good defensive coordinator. The Broncos had a pretty good defense this year. But, uh, yeah, no, look, this this is like ripping off the Band-Aid. It's a fresh start. Just, just breathe it in, Greg. It's, you know, it's a new day, new start. Uh, Justin Fields will actually have coaches who know how to develop him. Maybe. Maybe. Just, you, know, you know who's available, Greg? Adam Gase. <laughs> I hear he's a quarterback whisperer. Look what he did for <laughs> Sam Darnold. So, yeah.
1: I would hope the Bears would not go down that road. But at this point, you just, you just never know. But, uh, yeah, hope springs eternal, just like when – was Mark Trussman or John Fox or you know we did have a good pretty good run with Lovey Smith but that was a while ago now so anyway hopefully they make a good decision I'm torn on whether it should be Harbaugh cuz I love him at Michigan but uh anyway we'll find out what happens there but let's get to the reason we're here and let's talk about the good martini the good martini is is that all current Republican senators who are up in 2022 have now finally made their decisions about whether they're running in 2022. We had a couple of holdouts. Uh, John Thune, who I believe is the number two uh, Senate Republican of South Dakota. He's already served three terms. He had been toying with retirement, but I think uh, Cocaine Mitch twisted his arm. Uh, McConnell already lost a couple of loyal lieutenants in the last couple of cycles, including Lamar Alexander. And so I think Thune is a pretty good lock for re-election. South Dakota probably would have gone Republican, but uh, when you've got a known commodity who's pretty popular there, I think he's going to be fine. The other one is Ron Johnson in Wisconsin, who had pledged to only serve two terms. This is the end of his uh, second term. His approval numbers in Wisconsin, not great, but uh, one of the things he has going for him is that the Democratic field for U.S. Senate in Wisconsin in a year that you would think would trend Republican seems particularly radical and weak. So, uh, Jim, at least we know the players on the field now, and uh, hopefully uh, we can get to at least 51 come November.
0: Yeah, I think it's somewhat revealing that a cycle that began with guys like Rob Portman and Pat Toomey saying that they would not be running for another term, uh, an indicator maybe that either they didn't think the chances of taking back the Senate were great or just simply they would had enough that, you know, the the spending your life in the US Senate was becoming less and less productive. Uh, politics was becoming more and more of a circus and a sideshow and endless fundraising appeals. And if you actually were a the kind of person who liked to get stuff done, that spending your life in Washington just didn't feel like a useful way to spend your time. I think that Thune and Johnson are choosing to stick around is a good sign that these guys see one, that there's a good chance they're going to be in the majority next year. And that two, they think there's actually a chance of it that they can, you know, block really terrible things that the Biden administration wants to do, or that maybe there's going to be a Republican president a couple of years down the road and you can actually get some of your conservative reform ideas enacted into law. Um, I don't love Ron Johnson breaking his uh, pledge to only serve two terms. I also am not exactly stunned by it these types of term limit pledges are always really easy to make at the beginning of your career. And then as you hit that deadline, it's like, well, wait, I haven't done everything I wanted to do. I kind of like this. I feel like I can make a difference and all kind of stuff. So it's very easy to talk yourself into believing the country needs me. And in fact, he's in the Wall Street Journal today explaining that he believes the country is in crisis and that's why he's breaking his pledge. You know, whatever you think of that, and I'll admit, Ron Johnson is not my favorite Senator. I do think this is overall good news for Republicans. In part because, you know, first of all, incumbents generally have an easier time winning re-election than uh, a first-time candidate or a new candidate. And the second thing is this is going to be a wave election year. And let's just remember, both times Ron Johnson was running, this would be six years ago in the 2016 cycle and then six years before that in the 2010 cycle. Um, Both of them turned out to be pretty darn good years for Republicans. And right now the outlook is 2022 is going to be a pretty good Republican wave year. Maybe a red wave, maybe a red tsunami, depending on what Democrats are doing right now. So I think you look at Ron Johnson. If his chances of re-election aren't 50-50, they're not too much below that, and depending on how you know messy and infighting the Democratic senatorial primary in Wisconsin gets, you could see him being a better than 50-50 shot at re-election. That's pretty good news for Republicans. Thune, uh, again, it's a deep red state. You didn't really have a lot of worries about that, but. Um, the idea that he was retiring was kind of this indication of like, mm, I don't know, maybe maybe he sees something that everybody else doesn't or something. Um, so I think the odds of Republicans winning control of the Senate are a little bit better today than they were um, a couple of days ago. Not an enormous change, but I think the fa- I think basically there's a mood among Senate Republicans. They've got momentum. And then things are probably going to go well for him this year. And I think that uh, if you're looking for a Republican Senate, you're feeling a little better today than you might have a few days ago. Yeah, we're going
1: to find out if Ron Johnson's capable of beating anyone not named Russ Feingold, because that's who he beat both times. <laughs> uh, he, did, he, he unseated Feingold, and then uh, Feingold decided he was uh, desperately uh, wanted by the people of Wisconsin in 2016. And well, uh, it turns out that wasn't the case.
0: Greg, I, you know, we all, a lot of folks commented on the you know unfortunate choice by People magazine to do the Betty White turns 100 uh, that they went to press with before she turned 100. Yeah, and I yeah, think it was crazy. Newsweek or time. Somebody had done a special issue, President Hillary Clinton, pre-printed them, sent a few out before Election Day. And then, of course, Donald Trump wins the election. I, I am absolutely certain. I can't remember which one it was. I know it was the Progressive or Mother Jones. There was some liberal magazine that in 2016 ran a cover story, Russ Feingold Returns to Washington. <laughs> And I guess in the end, Greg it was about real estate.
1: Well, you know, a lot of these people, once they leave office, don't actually leave Washington. So I don't know what Russ Feingold's situation is. I don't know if he actually went back to Wisconsin or not, but uh, something tells me he still spends quite a bit of time in Wisconsin and in, in Washington because that's what a lot of the, the ex lawmakers do. So good on the Republicans for getting their team on the field. We'll see how it goes here. It should be a good year for Republicans, and they just need a net of one, but let's hope for uh, even more than that. But uh, there are some very competitive primaries out there, and as we've said before, choose wisely, Republican primary voters, uh, because the odds of uh, taking back the Senate will depend on uh, what choice you make and who even makes it to the general election. But uh, in the meantime, if you need more good news, hey, Omaha stakes. Absolutely the best choice you can make for uh, a gift or for yourself. Look, uh, depending on where you live, it might be grilling season. Sometimes you like to grill with a little snow on the deck. It doesn't really matter. But uh, if you're like me, you know, sometimes you get through Thanksgiving, you get through Christmas and New Year's, and all of a sudden you get that realization, wow, wow. It's still going to be cold, it's still going to be gray, and it's going to be like this for a long time, all the way to spring break and, and all the way up to Easter. But there is a way to make that time go better and tastier. Luckily, Omaha Steaks makes it easy to start the year right, and right now is the perfect time to stock up on all your Omaha Steaks favorites. For a limited time, Three Martini Lunch listeners can get an exclusive deal at omahasteaks.com. Enter Martini into the search bar at the top of the webpage, and you'll get four of their lean pork chops and four of their extra juicy chicken breasts for free when you order the Heartland Favorites Pack. That's the Heartland Favorites Pack. Every order is backed by their 100% satisfaction guarantee and delivered safely to your doorstep. Start the new year right and warm up your winter with 50% off lean tender steaks and hearty home-cooked favorites from Omaha Steaks. Plus don't forget, four pork chops, and four chicken breasts free with your order when you use the code martini. And if you're a new customer ordering for the very first time, enter martini at checkout to get $30 off select packages. A lot of good food and a lot of good deals waiting for you there. OmahaSteaks.com, keyword martini. All right, one more bit of good news, Andy, and that is the fantastic deals you can find at 4 com slash martini, including their signature offer right now, a free solar panel with the purchase of the Patriot Power Generator 2000X, and of course, free shipping on all orders over $97. You want to be prepared. You don't want to get caught unprepared Twenty times faster than normal. So visit fourpatriots.com/martini to get your Patriot Power Generator 2000X with the free solar panel included. Plus, get free shipping on orders over ninety-seven dollars. Save more and get peace of mind now by going to the number fourpatriots.com/martini. That's fourpatriots.com/martini.
2: Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All
1: right, Jim. Let's move to our bad martini now. And boy, you said it in perfect timing last week. We were saying, "Hey, at a boy, New York City Mayor Eric Adams, barely on the job since January 1st, telling the schools we're going to get these kids back in for in-person learning, and that would be good." But you said last week, Jim, that uh, at least one person had told you, don't believe the hype on Eric Adams. He talks a good game sometimes, but watch what he does. And in the end, he's probably going to disappoint a lot of people, and he's actually pretty darn far to the left. And, well, he's proven that already in a couple of different ways. The big one we're going to focus on here is that Adams, who claimed he was very troubled uh, by a uh, piece of legislation passed by the New York City Council that would let non-citizens vote. That's 800,000 non-citizens vote in local elections in New York City, after having discussions with folks, has decided, you know what, that's these people's community too, so... They should get to vote. Doesn't matter if they're actually citizens. Jake Tapper with Eric Adams yesterday on uh, uh, State of the Union, not buying that at all. Here's that exchange. I think there are a lot of Americans watching right now who might share your concerns and, uh, and also have more broadly questions about the idea of people who have not taken a citizenship test, prepared for that test by learning about the U.S., who haven't sworn an oath to the country, getting to vote. Why did you change your mind and why is it acceptable for non citizens to vote in an American election?
2: No, I did not change my mind. I supported the concept of the bill. The one aspect of that I had a problem with and I thought was problematic was the 30 day part of being in the country for 30 days was the place that I had questions. And I sat down with my colleagues. I'm a big believer in. Conversation. we have to start talking to each other and not at each other. And after hearing their rationale and their theories behind it, uh, I thought it was more important to not veto the bill or get in the way at all and allow the bill to move forward. In New York City, just Brooklyn, for example, 47% of Brooklynites speak a language other than English at home when I was the borough president. And so I think it's imperative that people who are in a local municipality have the right to decide who's going to govern them. And I support the overall concept of that bill.
1: And Jim, we've got uh, even more on Eric Adams. Turns out uh, he's under fire now for potential nepotism by wanting to hire his brother, who is the deputy manager of parking, I think, at Virginia Commonwealth University to uh, be in charge of his security as deputy NYPD commissioner. Adam says it's because he's got to have someone he can trust in that role because he's got to be safe from all the white supremacists out there. So for a guy who came in with a lot of bipartisan goodwill, he sure seems to be frittering it away at a record pace.
0: My first question, Greg, is who's been warning him about all those white supremacists in New York City? Jesse Smollett? (laughs) Second thought, Okay, yes, his brother was deputy manager of parking down at that Virginia university, but I mean, maybe we're being a little harsh. Greg, what if he was a really good deputy manager of parking? Right, that makes you qualified for a police position in New York City, right? You know? (laughs) I'm sorry, sometimes the absurdity just gets to me. Um, You know how we know this decision to allow non-citizens to vote in municipal elections in New York City? You know how it's really gone too far? Look, obviously, conservatives are going to hate it. Obviously, a lot of moderates are going to hate it. But I, uh, Greg, I've even seen, I think, strong indications that moderate Democrats have a real problem with it. You know why? how I know this? Because there's an op-ed in The Bulwark denouncing it. <laughs> OK, The Bulwark says it's conserving conservatism. Sure it is. Um, But, you know, actually, I have Amanda Carpenter, who I've always been on good terms. I'm sorry. No, it's Mona Charan. I'm sorry. Mona Charan is, is, you know, saying this is a stepping on a rake. This is a really big. And actually, Mona used to write for us in national review, I think, really highly of her. And I think she's offering like some solid common sense here. I do think there's kind of interesting that the tone of the bulwark is, Democrats, what are you doing? (laughs) As if they've never encountered a Democratic lawmaker before. like Democrats, if you're not careful, Republicans are going to win. Yeah, and a lot of us right of center are fine with that. We, we, some might even say that's the objective. We'd rather have somebody more right of center. In, in this case, so I think it is dispiriting, let's just say, to see a guy who was touted as the moderate face of the new Democratic Party and that was you know, turning a shift towards the center, more pro-business, more pro-police. You know, Mona writes accurately, this is bad policy and this is terrible politics. This is basically telling you that if you're an illegal immigrant, your vote should count as much as illegal citizens. And that's not what the law is, and that's never been what the principle is. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna you know be nice and quote Mona even further. Acts like New York City's cheapen the meaning of citizenship. Voting is not just a transaction. It isn't just a matter of deciding which candidate will better handle snow removal or trash collection. although honestly, considering how we've done a lousy job at snow removal here in Northern Virginia and trash collection, let's not underestimate those things. They do matter quite a bit. Voting is an act of affiliation, a statement of solidarity with the nation you've adopted as your own. I, you know, everything she's, you know, if, if Mona Charin is, tell, Charin is telling Democrats, guys, you know, you're making a terrible, they really should sit up and take notice. And I do think that, you know, I, you, know, you and I were always a little bit wary, and maybe this is a sign we should listen to those little voices in our heads saying, don't have faith in Democrats. They're always going to knuckle under when it gets tough. And in this case, it, it, you know, on a really big consequential issue, I'm sure you're going to see ads about this. I'm sure you're going to see um, former President Trump. making. I, I think every Republican candidate is going to make a point of Democrats in New York City are allowing illegal immigrants to vote. And that is a factual true statement. And that is going to piss people off. It's going to make people more convinced that elections are rigged. It's going to make people more, more convinced they can't trust election results. It is This is like acid to our civil society. And uh, New York City Democrats are like, hey, how can we make people less confident that their vote matters? Well, way to go, guys. Way to go.
1: No, exactly right. And of course, you know, with the uh, chaos and, and some of us might say intentional chaos uh, at the border, uh, this is a preview of potentially what they want to happen here. And it's interesting that uh, Adam says that the, the, the thing that he was hung up on, but finally got over was the fact that people who have been in the country a whopping 30 days get to vote. Uh, under this uh, plan, and so I'm sure it'll be challenged in court. Uh, hopefully, it'll get struck down because you know citizenship has to mean something in this country, and it has to have a value to it. But uh, and, and Jim, I know New York City mayoral elections are not held at the same time as uh, congressional elections and uh, presidential elections, which would not allow uh, non-citizens to vote in New York City. But um, something tells me once you get this bar rolling, uh, if you don't fight it hard, uh, other places are going to warm up to it. And uh, if you do happen to have a New York City issue on the ballot the same day as a federal election, uh, something tells me it's going to be pretty hard to sift one side from the other. Maybe not, but uh, it seems like a slippery slope.
0: Yeah, let's also observe... So the only way that elected officials can be responsive to the needs of those in the country illegally is if they vote, like you're going to ignore them otherwise. <laughs> like, you know, if you are, you know, like you and I would agree, the laws of the country should be enforced. If you're in the country illegally, sorry, you know, if you get caught, you're going to get deported. Uh, those, Them's the laws, that's the consequences. You know, you always have the option to go back to your home country and reapply legally. But if you you can't be a good citizen and, you know, your first act to be violating the laws of the country, you want to be a citizen of. And if you, so the, you know, if you, but yes, these people should get health care. No one want to leave them bleeding in the street. Um, no, you know, if I, I don't like the idea of illegal immigrant kids going into schools and eating up some of the resources, but at the same time, I don't want to leave illegal immigrant kids not getting educated at all. That wouldn't make, make the situation ever. But the idea is that, oh, the only way we can take care of illegal immigrants is if they get a vote. No, no, that's never been the case. What is, what is wrong with you? What, you know, that, yeah, so. You can tell my voice goes up a few octaves. I'm just like beyond. They, they've really gone beyond the pale. And I just I can't even find the words to explain how illogical their position is.
1: Yeah. Silver lining, potentially long term good, Martini, because, you know, as you said earlier, Eric Adams has been touted in recent weeks by the left and the media. But I repeat myself as, uh, you know, somebody who can be a model for Democrats. Uh, you can find a way to reach back towards the middle. Don't be so radical like the squad and so forth. But uh, Wise up independents and Republicans, what they say during the campaign and what they actually do when they're in office. Very, very different, just like our president.
2: <sighs>
1: <laughs> On that happy note, Jim, let's talk about uh, ways for businesses to help themselves. And Adams is. Also saying he's a big friend of small business. We'll see if that turns out to be true. Uh, The rest of the plan doesn't seem to be following the script so far. But uh, the last thing you want to do is be working on somebody else's rules, namely banks. Why don't you call the shots and get the setup that you need that will work best for you? Be your own boss in 2022 and join more than 100,000 other customers who have ditched their old clunky banks for a streamlined no hidden fees banking app that does the work for you and already works with popular tools that you use every day
0: novo is the number one business banking app because it's built from the ground up to be powerfully simple and a free business banking that money magazine called the best business checking account of 2021 with novo there are no minimum balances no transaction limits and no hidden fees Novo offers in-app invoicing and reserves, which are buckets for big expenses or taxes. Sign up for free in under 10 minutes at banknovo.com slash martini. Then they will send you a virtual card to use while your physical card is mailed to you with no delays. And here's a great bonus for our listeners, access to more than $5,000 in perks. Free and discounted access to services you already use, Stripe, Salesforce, QuickBooks, Snapchat, and Google Ads credits, and so much more.
1: Look, you've got enough challenges uh, with your business right now in terms of uh, staffing potentially, uh, customer retention, all sorts of other things related to the uh, very slow unpeeling of the pandemic, inflation, supply chains. you got enough headaches. Don't let this be one of them. This year, get your free business banking account in just 10 minutes at banknovo.com slash martini. Go to banknovo.com slash martini to sign up for free and the only way to get access to more than $5,000 of the perks and discounts we mentioned earlier, just for signing up. One more time, banknovo.com slash martini.
2: With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere.
0: Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom?
2: Sorry, sorry,
0: we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. (gasps)
1: After our conversation on Friday's edition of the Three Martini Lunch, or at least I didn't hear about until after we were done with it. Uh, we we heard some of the oral arguments at the Supreme Court on Friday related to the president's uh, twin mandates. One is that all healthcare workers must be vaccinated. And the other is, of course, the big fight over whether businesses that employ more than 100 people uh, should have to get their people vaccinated or subject them to uh, pretty regular testing. I think it's at least once a week. And it looks like uh, Biden might be on stronger ground with the healthcare workers and much shakier ground uh, with the uh, general employer mandate. And the thing that's crazy about this, though, is how poorly informed members of the Supreme Court are on this. There were a number of things that uh, folks traditionally on the more liberal side got horribly wrong, but nothing, nothing was more egregious than this from Sonia Sotomayor about how many kids are affected by this and how many are severely affected by this. Listen. Hospitals that are almost at full capacity with people is severely ill on
0: ventilators, we have over one hundred thousand children, which we've never had before, in in serious condition and uh, many on ventilators.
1: Jim, I have no idea where she's getting this, about 100,000 kids in serious condition, and a lot of them on ventilators. Uh, Even the Washington Post has said that she's getting a full slate of Pinocchios for that. So uh, between this and her having no idea when life begins during the abortion oral arguments, uh, science doesn't seem to be the best subject for Justice Sotomayor.
0: It's not. And my colleague, Charlie Cook, had the opportunity. There's two, and there's like several aspects of this that are really unnerving. The first is that like a Supreme Court justice is so spectacularly misinformed uh, about a basic fact of this, uh, of this pandemic, right? You know, can your child catch COVID? Yeah, it's possible. I know a bunch that have, vast majority of them are never gonna, uh, gonna end up in the hospital and you know, the chances of death are spectacularly small. doesn't mean it can't happen, but most of the, at least over in the UK, the last study I saw said that every child that had passed away from COVID-19 had some other immunodeficiency disease. Uh, the kind that would keep them in a hospital for long periods of time. It's very tragic, but it's not the sort of thing where your kid necessarily has to. You know, you know, if your kid catches COVID, you don't have to think, "Oh my God, my kid's going to die." You know, a lot of parents out there who are really, really worried about their kids. I get that, but like, you know, like it's you know, it's going to be the sniffles. Kids have strong immune systems; they're probably going to be fine. Somehow, in addition, you know, but like, you know, she goes well beyond that. She she then says, you know, that there are hundred like I, they, they ran the numbers. I don't think, we haven't hit a hundred thousand kids in hospital since the beginning of this pandemic. Never mind right now. But then also bits of her rhetoric from there were just spectacularly just unhinged, where she says, why is a human being not like a machine if it's spewing a virus, bloodborne viruses? Well, first of all, COVID is not bloodborne, right? That, that's a it's, like, it's a respiratory disease. If it was bloodborne. We'd be having a much easier time, believe it or not. It'd be much more akin to something like HIV, right? You'd need to transfer bodily fluids. And thankfully, we don't run around French kissing people unless you're like, you know, really, really affectionate, right? Um, So, you know, it's something you exhale and that's what makes this so contagious. It would be much more comparable to Ebola. Now Ebola is scary and bad, but you get it from blood, you get it from transferring bodily fluids, stuff like that. Um, But then this idea that, you know, you see that the people, she's talking about, you know, the vaccination requirements, and she's basically talking about the vaccine, the unvaccinated as a machine that is spewing blood, you know, these viruses. Well, here's the thing. One of the things we learned from Omicron is that you can get you can get you can be fully vaccinated, you can be boosted, you can still catch it, and you can still give it to other people. We would not be having close to a million cases a day if we, you know, if it was only the unvaccinated who were spreading it. We're down to like 14 percent of American adults that are unvaccinated. We've actually done a pretty darn good job in getting people at least one shot. A whole bunch of people are fully vaccinated. You know, take a while to get some people boosted. You know, it's kind of normal. If your plan required everyone in America to get more than three shots in less than a year, you're you always had a bad plan. But anyway, so she's she's just talking about this, and she's saying things that suggest I don't know this for certain, Greg, but it's she speaks as if she spends all of her time following very liberal blogs and like the most COVID paranoid talking heads out there, uh, which is not a good source of information. And you'd like a you know Supreme Court justice to have a better handle on the facts, but what my colleague, Charlie Cook observed is that like, if you're a Supreme Court justice, your job is not, you're, you're not the CDC director. You're not the Food and Drug Administration director. Your job is not to look at public health and say, hmm, this is what, the most. your job is to interpret the law and say, does it follow the constitution? In the end, all this other stuff is is uh, is kind of irrelevant. That, that's that's the job for the executive branch. The judicial branch is so the question before you is very simple: Does is this law consistent with the Constitution? And more specifically, does the Occupational Safety and Hazard Administration have the authority to make employers require their employees to get vaccinated? And oh, by the way, like as many people, including my colleague Dan McLaughlin, have observed, the argument for a vaccine requirement. And remember, it's not just you know the, you know, the idea that we're going to fire you if you don't get vaccinated. Makes sense if there's like a huge difference between the vaccinated and the unvaccinated. But with Omicron, where even the vaccinated can get it and spread it to other people, well, all of a sudden, there's that, less of a distinction there. So it's extraordinarily frustrating, extraordinarily She did get some grief, but I'm just going to like one little cherry on top of this. So yesterday, uh, Fox News Sunday, Brett Baers, is the, the host until they find somebody to replace Chris Wallace, and he's interviewing Rochelle Walensky, the head of the CDC, And he plays this audio and he basically says, I was like, "Yo, that's wrong, right? And man, it was like pulling teeth to get Rochelle Walensky to say anything. (laughs) Now, somebody pointed out to me and I guess, I guess if you're Rochelle Walensky and you're trying, you know, you're hoping the justices will say, yes, you can keep this vaccine mandate in place. You might not want to antagonize any of the Supreme Court justices. But at the same time, Sonia Sotomayor, talk about spewing bloodborne viruses. You know, Sonia Sotomayor is spewing COVID-19 disinformation. What she is saying is simply false. What she is saying is overstating the threat to children by several orders of magnitude. And that's ridiculous. And that's the sort of thing the CDC director is supposed to do. Because I got to tell you, Sonia Sotomayor running around believing these things is a much bigger problem society than Aunt Edna on your Facebook page saying, oh, just take some vitamin C and everything will be fine. It's not good that Ananda thinks vitamin C can cure everything or a colonial silver or whatever it's got her in her, you know, like, yeah, we have a lot of people in this country who believe nutty things, but I'm much more worried about somebody believing nutty things if they're on the Supreme court, <laughs> because they have a lot more power, and a lot more authority over our lives. Those are the ones we should be worrying about. And instead we're getting this. So, you know, it's it's just an extraordinarily frustrating set of circumstances, Greg. Um, you know, we, we have some crazy martinis, but the, you know, uh, the a Supreme Court Justice sounding like a Daily Coast commentator from the bench really starts to you know that's pretty high up there in terms of craziness.
1: Not a great, uh, not a great day for Rochelle Walensky. She also couldn't answer the question of uh, splitting up uh, people who died with COVID and people who died from COVID. So, hey
0: the- Greg, why why would the CDC director need to know <laughs> that? Right? It's it's she's like well, it's going to take a few weeks to get those figures together. Here's the thing: if she said I can't give you the exact figures as of today, but as of Right, December, <laughs> as of November. You know, if, the idea that she didn't have any ballpark estimate is uh, is, is is what's really frustrating about this. And it's you know, a whole bunch of we've been seeing these arguments from the beginning. And I would point to the numbers of hospitalizations and a certain number of readers would write in and generally reason saying, like Jim, are they people who are in the hospital because they have COVID nineteen, or do they go to the hospital get tested and the hospital says they have? You know, I think they count as cases, but they're really in the hospital because you know they everything from car accidents to heart attacks to uh, you know all kinds of other health issues and stuff like that so you know that's where we are that's uh, that, that you know it's, this is this bizarre situation in which the CDC director can't tell us anything useful which is kind of you know her whole job Well between our bad
1: and our crazy martinis Jim we're clearly in the very best of hands as you like to say so we'll see who's who's in the lineup tomorrow have a good day see you then see you tomorrow Greg. Jim Garrity, National Review. I'm Greg Corumbus of Radio America. Thanks for being with us today. Uh, please subscribe to the podcast if you don't already. Also, tell your friends about us. Uh, thank you so much, as always, for your five star ratings and your kind reviews. Those are a big help to us. Find us on those home devices. All you have to say is play Three Martini Lunch Podcast. And you can follow us on Twitter. He's at Jim Garrity. I'm at Dateline underscore DC. Have a great Monday and please join us on Tuesday for the next three martini lunch.
0: Hi, it's Dana Lash, host of The Dana Show. Every day I'm here to keep you up to speed on the most important stories and info that you need to know in your very busy life. And if you're always on the go and you want to stay connected, just download our daily podcast and take it with you. It's a great way to get up to speed on what you need to know and what legacy media may not be telling you. Visit danaradio.com and click on the podcast link or subscribe at iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Cartels are exploiting
1: Indian reservations to get into America, and our federal government can't be bothered to stop it. Hey, y'all, it's Sarah Carter from The Sarah Carter Show. I just got back from two trips to our southern border, and I want to take you inside a huge hotspot where thousands of migrants are coming into America every day. I was with a member of the National Border Patrol Council when the Border Patrol nabbed multiple illegal migrants who were breaking U.S. law, and I have the exclusive audio. For all this and more, subscribe to The Sarah Carter Show on your favorite
0: podcast app.